Welcome to the Smoke Break Presents The Session. I'm your host, your old pal Zane, here with Zoe Schwartz, Taylor Barrett, and Jasmine Nothing. Uh, this week we're going to have, oh, it, it just faded out. Cool. All right. Well, this week we're going to have musical <laughs> guest Larissa Birdseye. And on top of that, we're going to have Kyle Adams and a mandolin deal doing stand up comedy. Thank you guys so much for being here. Clap it up for yourselves. Woo! Absolutely. Absolutely. Real quick shout out to uh, Nick and Dave at the bar, uh, as well as Ronnie for uh, giving us drinks and doing all the stuff to keep us hydrated. Thank you guys. We yes, love thank you. you all thank so you much. Thank you all so much. For the venue space. Much appreciated. And then real quick, I just want to give a shout out to the Little Sister Foundation who provides resources and advocacy for those who have been in situations of human trafficking and domestic violence. So give it up for them. Portion of our proceeds Woo! are going to them. So super dope. Super dope. But other than that, let's get right into it. So, dun, Jasmine, dun, dun. nothing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about decisions, right? Yes. Yeah. So, any number of decisions can land us in any number of places. What's, uh, what does making a decision mean to you? Uh, I think it used to mean that I got really, really anxious about every single decision that I made because there was so much pressure on it. And now I feel like I don't give a shit. Um, because I I can like trace all the decisions I've made backwards to figure out what decisions I made that landed me here, but I have like no ability to see the future and I don't have a time machine. So I feel like it kind of just takes a lot of that pressure off. And like the the next adventure is just going to happen. So you might as well spend way less. T- How much time do you spend like waiting to decide what you're going to watch on Netflix or whatever other streaming oh. thing? Yeah, that, too much. Of your that's a low life. blow. That was a low yeah, blow. That hurt, man. <laughs> More, like, longer doing that than I would have just watched a movie. Right. So now I can't do that anymore, and I just am, like, super impulsive. I'm just like, yep, the third thing I see, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to make... And then you can you can just change your mind. But I don't want to spend the, like, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this, forever. And yeah. I hate doing that. So now when people are like, should we do this or this? I just, like, decide. Do, do, yeah. Decide yeah. right now. What should we eat for dinner? We should eat sushi. Like, don't, I don't want to sit there in the back and forth for one million years anymore, and I just want it to be fast. No, that makes yeah. 100% sense. That makes 100% sense. I feel like with me, like, making decisions, I'm always worried that the decision is bigger than it actually is, which keeps me from making a decision. Is anybody else like that? Is yeah. anybody else? Okay, cool. You can kind of relate. Taylor, what about you? What's, uh, what does decision mean, making mean to you? Well, I think just uh, kind of capitalize on the, the point that Jasmine was making about like being like comfortable with the impulsiveness is w- I, what's bogged me down and prevented me from making effective decisions a lot is the idea that I'm deciding to not do something else. So doing this thing means that I'm not doing this thing a lot of the yeah. time. And now, what if I would have done that thing? And it's the, you kind of have to let go of the flow chart at a certain point and just accept that you... Your decisions are based off of your experiences and your information, and so there's a level of trust that you need to have with your with your instincts and your and your information. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that you said that because yeah, you can only really make a decision based off of all the information you have. Um, and it's and okay to be wrong, like you said, like, like like Jasmine said, you can you can change your mind. You, yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. Zoe, what about you? Well, I like the idea that like you can look back at the decisions that you've made in your life and like see like these big pivotal moments. But I also like the idea that like when you're making a decision, you have no idea what that's where it's going to go. So it's like if it feels cool or feels a little scary in the good way, go for it, you know. So I like that. Like, like, yeah, these are important, but they're also not really important. And I also like like lately I've been doing that. Like when something's a little bit scary, I feel like that's like a good thing like it's something you it's like want. a barometer of just like hey that means i care about this yeah i've been doing that a lot more lately in my life like doing scary things 
just being like, that's scary. I think that's a sign that I need, that I want that or it's something yeah. I need to like overcome. Yeah, yeah, the level of anxiety I have about something normally is like a direct indicator of how important that thing is. Exactly. Yeah. If I wasn't anxious about it, then like why even put like energy into thinking about it beyond this moment? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I appreciate that philosophy. Um, so it also just helps if you feel anxious about everything all the time. Yeah, it takes yeah. 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 <laughs> well, like, I can do anything. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I'm anxious about everything, that means they're all good decisions. You care yeah. about everything. Yeah. Oh, that's is that could be a good too thing. Much. Yeah. That's too, too much. Too many things. <laughs> um, it's so hard to be alive. I you were talking about just kind of how our decisions kind of track and and uh, may lead us to the moment that we're at. So a small decision that I made a couple years ago is I got a job at GameStop, right? And you're just like that means nothing, right? Probably, uh, but I actually ended up becoming best friends with the person who's doing door right now. So if I didn't become best friends with Shout them, Josh, I wouldn't have a door person. So. <laughs> Right, or right. friends, or fr- or friends. Yes, I also agree with Zoe. What, what she said, or um, discounts on video games. Yeah, or discounts on video games. Well, so this let's, is not the as real nice win as I here. thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all truth and actuality, like the friendship that I've I've made with my friend Josh over here, like he helped me start the smoke break when this was originally live back in 2020. Uh, I made me friends with Taylor, which has helped me continue this show after all this time. He gave me the the courage to try comedy again. So without making that one decision, even though it seems small, it had a huge impact. Um, is there any like small decisions that you feel have left like a big impact? Um, one of the decisions that I made was to go through Instagram and only invite people to do my show that looked cool in their pictures. And one <laughs> of those pictures was Zane. And so Zane yeah. did my show a number of years ago. Yeah. Um, and now Zane works for me. Yeah. Can you yeah. believe it? But Why wasn't there an applause for that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Was, tell us now the, he's employed. <laughs> tell us the name she of the show. She didn't hire me happened. off of my picture. She just booked me for a show off of my picture. So get those headshots. It's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what, what is the name of your show? Yeah, tell us my, the name. My show is Telltale, um, which is curated storytelling for people that like to take, get vulnerable and take no shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It happens monthly at the Chapel Theater in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's a good Hail, show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I very much subscribe getting vulnerable and taking no shit. Yeah. Well, getting vulnerable. The taking no shit. I take lots of shit. <laughs> I was going to uh, say. If I'm being completely it's honest. It's something to aspire towards. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> night I submission. did your show, I took no shit. The next day, maybe some shit. I maybe did. some shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all circumstantial. It's yeah. about the time. Uh, what about you, Taylor? Is there any small decisions that you felt like left a big impact? Uh, this is going to be <laughs> kind of goofy, but it's, it's had a huge impact on my life. Uh, like, 10 years ago, I was just kind of looking through documentaries on, on YouTube, just like... Uh, like fan-made documentaries, those always seem to be the sweetest and the, and the most wholesome. But uh, there's one about competitive Smash Bros, and I was like, "This is not what I thought it was." I started paying a lot more attention to it than I ever expected to, and I have been playing competitive fighting games for ten years straight now. Yeah, and you're super the, fucking good at them. The tournaments are very fun. They can, some of the people are absolutely bananas, but it's, it's yeah. so much fun to just go just to go fight. You well, know, that's it's, cool it's that so you fun. made that small decision that has impacted like the last 10 years. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it could have easily been like a documentary you watched and you just moved on. You're like, yeah. oh, cool. That was a thing I watched. Yeah, but, but I've made decisions around it and yeah. I started going to tournaments and uh, getting my ass kicked there so badly and I had a blast doing it. Yeah, no, that's super dub. Zoe, what about you? Small decisions, big impacts. 
I don't know. I was thinking about like you inviting me to be a guest on the podcast. That's a big decision, by the <laughs> way. Uh, no, the get when I was just a guest. Though. Yeah. Okay. Fair. But that was a small decision, and then you asked me again, and then that's those two small decisions led to you asking me again. <laughs> so that was my small decision was just like you know yeah yeah was when I was deciding to pick up like a podcast and be like hey I don't know where yeah. this is going to go but it could be fun. Well, I was secretly hoping that you'd ask me to co-host eventually. Well, it worked out. It worked <laughs> out. Everybody quit. Uh, it's totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Uh, we're recovering. Slowly but surely. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I definitely think that, like, decisions are something that, like, they're really hard to make. They're really scary to make. But they're the only thing that really creates progress, right? Like, if you're not making a decision, then you're not moving in a direction. If you're not moving in a direction, then you're stagnant. Right? Um, yeah. So, for you, has, has there been any, like, big decisions that you made that might have had, like, a smaller impact, you know, where you're like, this is going to be huge. And then it's like, you know. Mm. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to think. For me, I'd say sometimes getting a new job, I'm like, this is going to change everything. I'm a new person. And then I get, I'm like, I'm the same dumbass. I'm just working with steel now. This <laughs> yeah. is dumb. My, my favorite thing is when I start a new job and somebody's like, the boss is such a dumbass. I'm like, are, are they a dumbass or are you just not good at your job? <laughs> you know, I feel, I always feel like that's, nobody said that about our job. Everyone <laughs> thinks that say, you're dude. amazing, Jasmine. Uh, <laughs> You're not your boss right now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday. <laughs> but Monday, yeah, that's a write-up, dog. <laughs> Amanda laughed extra hard at that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, Amanda's watched me get written up. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're uh, we're gonna be okay. Uh, what about you, Zoe? Is there anything that you're just like, this is gonna change everything, and it didn't? I don't know if I can think of a decision that didn't change everything, but I can think of a big decision that did change things okay sure yeah, yeah no, I'm listening. Yeah, i was thinking about like i signed up to go to grad school like right before the pa- pandemic and i've several th- times thought like man what would i have been doing that whole time yeah probably a lot sadder but yeah so it was like a really weird like decision it was a big decision and then i was like now the world's ending but then i got to do something really productive while i was stuck at home for two years so yeah so that's yeah. not exactly a small impact. It's a big impact. No, that's that's a, that's a huge impact. You're all, you're all learned up and educated and certified now. <sighs> yeah. Trying, yeah. Badass. Yeah. yeah. Give it up for Zoe for uh, yeah, getting Zoe. her master's. <laughs> what? I w- what? I, w- I would be talking out of my ass if Zoe wasn't here. So thank you yeah, so much. She's certified. We're, we're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's our motto. Uh, she's In certified. We're way. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jasmine? Is there uh, anything that you thought was going to make a bigger bigger impact but didn't? No, I also could only think of things that actually did make really big impacts. Okay, um, sure. And so, I mean, the first thing that came to mind, one of them was that I was supposed to go to Australia and live there for six months when I was 17. Um, I had a place to stay, I had a job lined up, I, everything was great, and it sounded, I really desperately wanted to get out of small town Indiana, and so everything really, really made sense to me, and instead I fell in love and was like, I'm not going to go. And on paper, not going to Australia to live and have this completely different life experience because you fell in love when you were 17 is stupid. You should definitely do that. You should not throw away this like gigantic opportunity um, in that moment. But I, I did um, and fell in love. But like, we got married, um, and now I'm still married to them. And in, in June, we'll have been married for 20 years. Damn. Yeah, clap it up for that. That's super cool. No, that's, that's great. No, but I, I think that just kind of goes to prove that like we don't really know where our decisions are going to land us, right? Because like you can think that like one of these is the bad decision, one of these is the good decision, but you don't really know until it plays out. 
And, and not to say that your experience in Australia would have been horrible. Mine would have been because I hate bugs. That would have been miserable for me. But like you, you could have met someone there and had a miserable relationship. And now that that your trip to Australia might have been marked by a miserable relationship instead of instead of something like that. That's just the the, the, the flow chart. You trusting your instincts on the flow chart. It also could have been amazing. It could have absolutely been amazing. But completely absolutely. different yeah. than whatever it is that I did this way, and then my life went this completely different trajectory mm-hmm. than it could have otherwise. Yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, so with like decision making, what do you think makes uh, a decision hard to make? Mm. Thinking that we have control over the outcome, probably. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more key. about that. <laughs> well, just like basically what Jasmine was saying is like we really don't have control over the outcome. Like we only really have control over what we're doing in the moment, right? So when you make a decision, it's kind of just like, well, I made it, and then we're gonna see what happens after that. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 definitely. Taylor, what about you? D- just the. Like I said, I, I get so caught up in, like, when I struggle making a difficult decision or when decisions become difficult, it's because of all the different factors that I'm trying to weigh. And they, they like, uh, you made the metaphor of, like, Tetris, uh, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago on the smoke break. And, like, oh, yeah. that, that's, how panic de- that, that's how panic decisions feel for me very often, where it's like, what about this? And then this thing, and then this thing. And then it's yeah. like, eh, you know, done, game over. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and I no feel- decisions were made, and I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I feel like I feel like just almost the overwhelm that comes from like too many decisions. Um, too I many think options. that yeah, I yeah. think that that is like something that I, I get hung up on is just like I learned this in music, and a lot of people will say it's better to make a decision like quickly and just keep moving on with the process than it is to weigh all of the decisions that you could be making. You know, it's like because there's a million sounds, million different instruments, a million possibilities. So it's almost better to just make a decision, move on, and then make the next decision because that's what helps you complete things. So, um, yeah. yeah. It sounds like the trust in your decision making has helped you with, like your, your example made it seem like music has be- your music has benefited from your trust in your own decision making too yeah well that's because if i didn't trust that i was trying to make something great i would just i wouldn't just be stuck in the thought that like i'm not good enough i'm not good at this and i would just spend all my time thinking about what could be and i i feel like that's just never a a, a good use of time yeah. well and i was thinking too like when you make a decision and then we label it as a mistake I feel like there really are no mistakes as long as you learn from something from the decision, which is like kind of a cliche thing to say. But I really believe that. So I think like in that sense, like your decisions, it, really all that matters is what you take from it. Like regardless of the outcome, it's like, well, what did you learn from it? Are you going to not do that again? Are you going to do that differently? Are you going to keep doing it that exact way? So I that, definitely I, use that philosophy in like fighting games. Like the the the, the just to bring it back, the uh, the phrase that I said, if you're losing, you're learning. Yeah. And it's like that's yeah. that, that's can be expounded upon much better, but like yeah. that, that's, I definitely relate to that. Yeah. yeah. No, I heard a, a really good rap lyric uh, where he said, I never lose, I only win or learn. And I, I really, yeah, yeah I, like I really that. appreciated that just kind of philosophy because, yeah, I think that as long as you're learning, it's not a loss if it's a lesson, you know? Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, we're going to take a real quick commercial break and we'll be right back with the smoke break. Thank you guys so much for hanging out and uh, make sure you're getting drinks, make sure you're getting food and we will be right back. Springtime is almost here, and like the flowers, we hope you bloom where you decide to plant yourself. Do you have a small business, or have you been thinking about starting one? We are here to help you establish roots that lead to blossoms of success and all other dad jokes and bad metaphors. Reach out for a free 30-minute consultation to discuss your business legal needs, or branch out and attend one of our upcoming The More You Glow seminars. These are community-oriented learning events that focus on all sorts of small business and nonprofit topics. Tickets are sliding scale, 5 to $20, and you can visit our website, rationalunicorn.com, for more information. That's rationalunicorn.com. 
Through all the seasons, we do community business law for everyone in the community. All right, so we're going to have a real quick uh, storytelling session from Jasmine Nothing. So please, uh, yeah, give her, give them your undivided attention. So I think in the next section we're going to talk about harm reduction, and I, I work in harm reduction with homeless folks, um, homeless young folks specifically, and uh, have been doing that for a really, really long time, which is an important note for this story. So. The moment I sit down at the crowded bar at the only available bar stool after a tough week, this man turns to me and says, I hope you're more friendly than the spreadsheet guy that was sitting here before. And rarely has my heart sunk so swiftly as immediately being addressed by a random man at a bar. Because no, I do not want to be more friendly than the spreadsheet man. I would like to be completely ignored while I drink this fancy beverage and do the Thursday crossword puzzle because crossword puzzles make me feel equally stupid but also smart and they never disappoint me. But no, this man wants to make friends. And explaining why I don't want to talk to him seems too hard because sometimes I'm nicer than I want to be, especially with men. And so I set my phone down and decided to just lean into this experience. Fine, let's talk. He's a handsome guy that knows he's handsome, maybe 50-ish, well-kept beard, He's drinking various five-ounce tasters of craft beer and always asks the bartender, what should I have next? Which is very annoying. The bartender does not care what you have next. Just pick something off the menu. So I decide to talk to this man and decide what else I'm going to judge about him next. And with this dumb inability to decide his own order, I already do not like him. What's immediately clear to me is that he loves to talk and likes that I'm saying very little, but he's still curious. He asks me a reasonable number of questions. He asks about the crossword I'm trying to do, but somehow my answer just lets him start telling me about how much he knows about fancy beer fads across the country and how they've changed over the years. But this brewery still has the best he's ever had. Typical beer bro stuff at the bar. What about natural coffee? Do you like natural coffee? And I don't know what the shit natural coffee is, so I say, I don't know what that means, man. Which is just such a delight for him to hear because he really desperately wants to tell me. So he goes on this long speech about how all coffee started in Ethiopia and how it spread to other countries and how only a few places make natural coffee. And I always had the best coffee in his life from Mod Cup Coffee in New Jersey, which has a limited series of beans that are exposed to dry anaerobic fermentation with the pulp still on them, mix them with wine yeast and macerated passion fruit, and then they pulp the coffee cherries and place them on dry raised beds until the ideal moisture content is achieved. And at this moment, I decided that I actually do hate this man. <laughs> but here I am. And I'm going to be nice. And also, this is the only chair. He asked me what I do for a living, but I only give him the, like, I don't really want to talk about it short version, which is to mumble something vague about doing, like, social work stuff with homeless people and tell him that, actually, I would not like to work anymore in general because I love my job, but working sucks, and I'd like to do nothing. And he says, yeah, he's been hearing that a lot lately. And he asked what I would do while I was doing nothing, which is actually kind of a legit question, so now I kind of like him again. I say that I would like to be abandoned in the middle of nowhere with my partner, a dog, and regular delivery of provisions so that I can just listen to records and cook food quietly until, like, the year 2045. And he asked me if I've ever cooked with exotic foods and asked for examples, and he says durian and mangosteen, and I say, those aren't actually exotic foods, they're just not common in American cooking. And he says, ugh, nothing has a simple answer anymore, and shows me pictures of his three cats. And now my overall judgment of him is fairly mixed, but I still wish I was trying to think of a seven-letter word for obscure instead of having this conversation at all. He's retired. He built a company, something to do with natural gas or eco-friendly power or something, and now he's retired and in town on a business trip just because it's fun to share his knowledge with small companies that can't necessarily afford it, which I know I just said in a mocking way, but, like, shit, maybe that's actually cool of him. Like, retired at 50, fuck you. But sharing his knowledge is 
maybe Brad, so now maybe he's kind of all right. Why can't he order for himself? I don't understand. He shows me the pictures of the cats again. My partner behind the bar is talking to the other bartender, making bets about whether they need to rescue me from this guy, and overheard this man ask me if I've ever had a particular type of chicken, and I say, we've already covered that I'm vegetarian, but I guess I'm still going to listen to you. And so he talks at length about how proud he is of absolutely perfecting the recipes that matter most to him, which is actually kind of admirable, but then he goes in depth about the details of cooking a rack of lamb, and now I hate him again. He suddenly says, I'm tired of all these new movies and shows that are just shitting on rich people, and now I'm skeptical. And he starts listening... Or he starts listing them, but he can't figure out which one he wanted to talk about by name. And I tell him to think about it while I pee. But in the bathroom, I place the movie, and I run back out to hit the bar in front of him and proclaim the movie he was trying to think of rightfully as Triangle of Sadness. And he asked me what I think of the movie, and I said, there was a lot of vomit in, he, in it. And he says the thing about being tired of things that shit on rich people again. So I said, well, I'm actually pretty into things that shit on rich people. And he orders another beer from the bartender, another, excuse me, what should I order next moment? And I think back to when I was 21 and would order drinks by color, like, bring me something red, now something blue. And with that memory, I kind of hate myself instead. He says, I wish everyone had the chance to be who they really wanted to be. Why can't people do that more? And I say, I don't know, because poverty and capitalism and greed are trying to kill all of us, or at least keep us too tired to do anything about it. And he says, ugh, I've slept on this floor before. I might have to do it again. And I tell him he's right, that it's all pretty fragile. And we nod and throw back our last sips, and I don't really know what I think about this guy now. He says, you should really try that coffee, though, and he leans over with his phone, and before I know it, I type my address in, so he sends me the $30 bag of coffee, macerated with passion fruit, and I cross my fingers that he will not use my address to murder me in the future, but it is free coffee, so at the moment, I like him. But at this point, he goes to the bathroom, and I go outside to take a work call, and there's a cold wind, and I didn't bring my jacket, and there's really only one call I take outside of work hours, which is a call to tell me that someone's dead. Each call starts with a signifier, I have capital S, sad news, and then there's this gaping silence usually where I know it's somebody but not who, and my brain guesses, and sometimes I'm right, and sometimes I'm wrong, and this time I'm neither because I just stand in the cold wind and refuse to guess. And then she tells me who it is, and then it's a slow motion step-by-step thing where I feel sad, and then I think of all the pragmatic steps that come next. The death notification log, and in what order to tell people, memorial planning. And the thing is, if I don't move forward with pragmatic steps, I might just get really hung up on the idea of never seeing this kid's face again. And to be clear, this kid was awful, actually. Um, he said horrific things. He would wash his feet in the hand-washing sink. He would wait till one minute until closing and then panic and just steal anything that wasn't nailed down, running in circles with handfuls of toothbrushes and condoms he had no intention of using, flying around like confetti. He would scream at you to give him something that you didn't have and then refuse to leave the building even after you were closed until you gave it to him. He'd use the worst hate speech, couldn't ever remember that me and my coworker are actually different people, and he would do impressions that were horrifyingly problematic. He'd be in the middle of saying the absolute worst stuff, like a torrent of awful words that seemed like he couldn't stop himself from saying, and then someone would knock on the office door, and he'd grin at me and say, watch, I can actually turn it off whenever I want. And then he'd be 100% charming to the person that walks on the door. He was awful and offensive and impossible, and I truly adored him. And later that week, I ended up going to his funeral where his family will read shockingly terrible poetry about him. And I know you aren't supposed to speak badly as someone who's reading at a funeral, but it's really, really bad. <laughs> and it's infuriating because drugs break my heart all the time, and I also fiercely defend people's right to use them, hopefully safely, but either way, I'm very tired. 
And this beautiful, dumb city breaks my heart, too. So then my heart is just a broken, heavy thing that I carry around sometimes. But see, that's why I have to stop and think of the pragmatic next steps. I can't be thinking like this on a Wednesday at 8 p.m. So I get off the call, and I go back inside to sit next to the sit at the bar with this man who's apparently named Robert. And the thing is, I don't want to think about how sad I am right now. I don't want to entertain all the nasty little thoughts my brain is trying to push into me. I also don't want to be nice anymore. So I sit back down with this fucking Robert guy, and he says he loves living in New York. And by the way, I've played basketball with Woody Harrelson. He's a really nice guy. And then there's a story about eating chicken with Lauren Bacall. He talks about being on a plane that had to land on the honeymoon capital of Portugal, a small island you aren't supposed to be able to fly directly to, and being stranded there for four days while they got a new plane and learning that they'd had to land because there had been a fire in the cockpit, which is supposed to be universally fatal, but they'd managed to land instead, at which point he ate the best chicken of his life, which included almonds. A lot of his stories somehow involved really good chicken recipes. And the bad thoughts are still creeping at the edges of even now. So my partner slides a whiskey down the bar into my hand, and I turn to Robert and say, Robert, you seem like a man with a lot of money. I think you should give some of it to the place I work. And he says, okay, and takes my business card. And I say, oh, no, I meant now. And he's like, oh, okay, and then pushes a bunch of buttons, and maybe he did and maybe he didn't. I don't know, but I like feeling a little mean and pushy, but to balance it out, because I actually did kind of want to know, I said, okay, well, have you ever seen a flamingo in real life? And we're right back on track. He tells me about all the times he's been to Botswana, where you can see the world's biggest flamingo migration, and also a Pell's fishing owl, which is rare and endangered. He talks about hoping to buy a house in Portugal one day, although Zambia was good too. He talks about the quality of bread in Europe, and how if you really know what you're doing, you would never buy a baguette there. Those are just for tourists. And I don't know. Is he the worst? I, how, do you me- how do you measure? I don't know. I really went back and forth a lot. But soon after this, I say, Robert, you have to pay your tab now because I would like to go home and nobody can leave until you pay them. And he looks around like he's just noticed the passage of time. He pockets my business card and says he'll be in touch, but who knows if he will. He might still be the worst. I don't know. But I did get that bag of coffee from him a little bit ago, and I'm not going to lie. It smells really good. And later that night, when me and my dumb, broken heart couldn't sleep, I messaged the development department at work and asked them to check, and he totally fucking donated $250 under my name. That kid I love is still dead, and I think that man could have afforded, like, a lot more. And my heart is still a heavy, dumb thing to carry around, but maybe this guy wasn't the worst. Maybe he was just lonely and had a head full of fancy beer one last night in a heartbreaking city and wanted to share things he knew with someone smart enough to do the Thursday crossword puzzle, or, like, at least most of the way. Make some noise for Jasmine Nothing. Make some noise. So first off, I want to thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, thank sure, you, thank you. Yeah, that was really great. Um, so you mentioned working in, uh, in harm reduction. Yes. So uh, not a lot of folks know what that means. Uh, do you want to go ahead and fill us in uh, with your definition? Yeah, I think it kind of goes in two different directions. I think, one, it's kind of like the direct application. So, like, um, you could say that a syringe exchange where somebody is able to, like, exchange a used needle for a clean one is harm reduction. That's kind of like the standard that comes up. Um, But I think a lot of things actually fall under the category of harm reduction. So that's going to include things like um, if you are going to maybe, like, self-harm. Self-harm is better than dying, (laughs) So one of those is going to be more harmful than the other. Dead people don't get to make different decisions anymore. Uh, And then, you know, have like um, condoms. Condoms are like a safer thing to do than not a condom. Um, It is still running a risk, but it is a different level of risk. So there's kind of like the um, 
it's not abstinence-based. Harm reduction is this other like way of thinking about how you work with people. But additionally, it's kind of like a social movement where we just, um, actually say that like you are the expert on your own body and brain, and then we would like to, you to make your own decisions. And so somebody is allowed to use drugs, and the idea is not to make them stop because making people do things doesn't work out so hot anyways. And so really like uh, respecting the autonomy of people to be able to do what they want to do and to be able to still be part of things. So they should still be part of community. People should still be able to make... Uh, like weigh in on like legislature and laws that in, like impact them the most. They yeah. should be involved in all of those things yeah. too. Something that I, I, I heard uh, kind of working with you is nothing, nothing with nothing about us without us. Yeah, absolutely. And People I should think, be involved in things that impact them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Zoe, uh, as far as like harm reduction, what what have you come across in in your line of work? Like, well, I mean, I used to work in similar. I used to work at New Avenues, or I used to work at a, like a different shop. in a place. In a place, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, like I've worked, similar, <laughs> sorry. I've worked with similar communities. So yeah, but I, I think like I, well, I was talking to Jasmine about earlier, like I learned about it from the um, like the idea of like safe injection sites. Like I think that was the first time I learned about harm reduction. Uh, but I, I agree. I just think that it's uh, it creates a space for people to be able to do what they need to do to cope with whatever they're going through. And then also to have space to either maybe move to a different coping mechanism that has like less impact or if not just exist and still have access to all the other things they need in life. Like just not cutting people off from society or from access to jobs or voting or whatever, just because they have a certain way of coping that we don't agree with or that we don't understand, you know? So I think it just really it exemplifies the way that I like to really think about everybody's life. Like we don't know why they're doing what they're doing, but we can assume that everyone's doing the best they can. Yeah. A lot of the time. And yep. most people use drugs. Yes. That's yes. just true. decided that some drugs are acceptable and some aren't. Yes. Yeah. Very true. So you can like smoke weed and be fine in some places. You can uh, be a, like a yoga wine mom and <laughs> yeah. wear your drug use on a t-shirt all the time. <laughs> um, but if you like use meth once, that's a hard drug and it's dirty. And then, and then we yeah. like, can you be a really good mom and drink wine every evening after work absolutely yes i can can you <laughs> you're an amazing mom Jane. can you use Thank meth you. at home with your kid in the house i mean you can there's physically less, but there's it's less possible. murmurs people had a, people had like you felt yourself like, yeah. like there was yeah. worry right because we think about each substance really really differently and the different like stigma that is attached to it and the and things that are stigmatized also comes with shame and you know what people who feel a lot of shame do can get high again because yeah. they don't want to feel shameful. Yeah, like it's like just like this. Uh, it's it's really cyclical, and shame has never helped anybody stop doing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate the advocacy that you do. Absolutely. Get up for Jasmine. Nothing. Woo! Thank you, Jasmine. We will be right back with our musical guest. Thank you, folks, so much for hanging out for the smoke break. We're on Shady Pines Radio every Sunday from nine to ten a.m. Patches, come here, boy. I love Patches, and that's why I love Patch Dog. Hey, Dad, were you calling me? No, I was calling the dog Patches. Yes, Father? Oh, not you, honey. Patch Dog makes custom iron-on embroidery patches. I can give them my design, and in a couple weeks, I've got custom patches. They can be of my daughter Patches, my son Patches Jr., or even my dog Patches. Yes, dear. Uh, no, no, that's Patches, my wife. I'm just making a commercial. And because Patch Dog loves you so much, use the code SPR10 for a 10% discount. Yay. And you know Oh, they've got that free domestic shipping. For more information, check out patch.dog and fall in love with patches like me. Did you yes, me? dear. No, I'm making a commercial for patch.dog. I have an extra microphone in my... I have two flavors now, motherfucker. Two flavors. Um, so, Taylor, I wanted to ask you a little bit about harm reduction. How has that like affected you in your life? 
Well, Harvard, it was really confusing for me for a long time. Like, I did not understand what that meant until, like, I don't remember why this made it click, but seeing that people in rehab got to smoke cigarettes because they're like, they're not fucking doing heroin. Like, that, that's where I was like, that, that's, that makes sense. I get what harm reduction is now. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, cigarettes aren't fucking good for you, but, like, they have an addictive personality. They have that tick. They want something. Their yeah. body's craving something. Let them smoke a cigarette. Let them smoke a cigarette. And that's why we have the smoke break is because yeah. I'm not smoking meth anymore, but... Yeah. But damn, you need a cigarette. But damn, do I need a cigarette. Um, but while I, I do go smoke that cigarette, we are going to have our amazing musical guest, Larissa Birdseye. Please give it up for her. Hi. How's everyone doing? Um, I love, I just went to Portugal, so I was like, sto- I was really stoked, so I was like, what fucking island is that? Portugal is lovely, but that guy sounds terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really good to be back. I picked up a sinus, inf- well, I don't, I don't know if you pick up a sinus infection, I'm not sure how diseases work, uh, I should know better since we all went through the fucking pandemic, but I can't hear out of my right ear, so... Uh, it's been six days of that. So if you, I'm, you guys will be able to hear better than what the fuck I'm doing. Um, I'm gonna play this song. Um, this song is called Shame. And I don't know if you've ever like been really, I feel like love, love can be an addiction, you know, where you just keep doing the same shit over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And this song is about doing that. I'm so fucking tired of the ways in which I feel so thrown away I cannot stand the things you say, I mean it Or should I say you said, cause boy, I treat you like you're dead You cut a hole inside my head and I can't stop the bleeding You could make or break me, look at what you made me What if I followed you all of the way down Guess I was mistaken Couple more years wasted All that's left to say is What a fucking shame 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 Honey, isn't it a Shame 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 Honey, isn't it a Kept me like a secret Like a promise I believed in details but I never got them treat me like I'm nothing and I promise I'll come running it's like something's fucking broken in me I can't stop it you can make or break me look at what you made me but I followed you all of the way down boy you got me shaking down on my foundation all that's left to say is what a fucking No. 
I went to Portugal. I feel like I am a person when you work for yourself and you are you're, when you're like a 1099 person. Um, I feel like there's a lot of freedom in your schedule. There can be a lot of freedom in your schedule. For me, I choose to not have any freedom in my schedule and I just work all the fucking time and I make excuses why I can't do anything for myself or like take time for, for my fucking brain. And in the last year, I just was like so miserable, so, so, so miserable. So I, for, I forced myself, and I know I'm very lucky, I don't have kids, I like no one depends on me. I feel like I've made that very clear. I'm like, you can't depend on me, no one depends on me. Like I reserve the right to fuck off for 10, 10 days to 14 days every now and then. So um, I went to Portugal. And I like I feel like I just killed my ego in a way. Like it wasn't even brought on by like hallucinogens. I feel like that's a very popular way to do it. But I feel like when you kick yourself out to like the other side of the world and you just realize that like you don't fucking you're you don't matter. You're like just a tiny little thing in this in a sea of other things like we're so inconsequential and because of that like we we are so consequential. We we matter so much. So like what we choose to do, I feel like I'm just I am just spitballing here but i wrote a couple songs about what it feels like to to be going through something like that so i wrote this song it's called lisbon all right all right we'll figure it out if i fuck up you guys have to forgive me i made a deal with the devil but the devil didn't come through Spent my best years sitting in a waiting room I never heard my name Thought there was some mistake I thought that I would change it So I didn't move Cursed God in the city made a cobblestone Spat blood through my teeth and stumbled Oh, Seems everything I've buried resurrects and finds me What I've tried to kill is wrapped itself around my throat It's not funny but I'm laughing No, I never thought it'd happen If your purpose was your poison Would you spit it out or choke? I've been fighting with my nature Thought they loved me but they hate me When I see me in the mirror I see somebody that I don't know Oh 
visions down Brush shave my head and break the crown Drink until I'm sick And raise a glass to everyone I've known It's not funny but it kind of is To build something then ruin it It's beautiful and human to burn cities Just because you can Not asking, I'm admitting Not the hero, not the villain Just a girl who loves something until she crushed it in between her hands, hands. Oh. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. I wrote that on piano, so that was an experience for me. <laughs> Um, I have been, I feel like being, uh, an artist in any capacity feels a little bit like the worst thing you could do to yourself. <laughs> um, because you know, we're, if we could all just fucking vibe and we all had our base needs covered, oh my God, we would be so creative. We would just like the way that we are as children, where we just build shit out of sand and Legos and all of that. And someone is just like, oh, you're incredible. You know, like when you, we get that reinforcement, we're like, oh, yeah, I am incredible. But then you like graduate and you have to make money. And like when you make art, it's like everyone is such a piece of shit when it comes to judging other people's art, especially with social media. It's like, I swear to God, it's just like, mm, this isn't for me. And let me tell you exactly why you suck. You know, it's just like an, it's an absolutely miserable thing. And especially when you, when I feel like you've been gifted something, you know, like you, cause you, wow, nice it is to have a purpose, you know, and we follow it and we're like, I could do something with this. And then you do it for like 10 years and it's brutal and you just never get anywhere. And you're like, why the fuck? Like, I'm not really, I'm not a religious person, but I'm like, why the fuck? did you do this? This is like a sick joke, you know, to like love something so much and just suck so much at getting it off the fucking grounds. So I wrote this song. I actually, this is kind of funny, but I, before I left for Portugal, I'm in a better mood and sinus infection uh, aside, but I had a moment. I took a, I took a walk as soon as it got sunny. This was like a month ago. I took a walk. I had my dog with me and, um, I walked to the park I kind of like got pulled to the park. I laid down in the grass and I just like looked up at the sky and I was just like, I feel, I just literally said it out loud. I was like, I feel so alone. And this squirrel in this tree starts going fucking nuts. And my dog's going nuts at the squirrel. And I'm looking at the squirrel and the squirrel's looking at me and it's just like, you know, it's screaming. And I just like, I'm looking at the squirrel. And I'm just like, what if the squirrel is like a sign? You know, as I said, I feel so alone. Maybe this squirrel is just looking at me and like, hey, Larissa, you're not alone. And then I realized as I'm looking at the squirrel and I'm thinking like, this is, this is God in squirrel form. I'm like, I've lost my fucking minds. Like, I feel like this is exactly how Joan of Arc, you know, this is like how this happened. And then I just like, this song slammed into me and I was like, so I sprinted home. It was even crazier. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to the squirrel and then I get hit with the song. I sprint home and I wrote it. The song is called Joan of Arc. Put me back up on the funeral pyre I found God 
out in the smoke of a fire that I started. We don't talk anymore. It doesn't stop me from trying. I've fallen out of favor. What's a girl to do? I'll bring the fucking army. How's that work for you? I'm on my own work shit. Sick bitch screaming at the sky like an answer. This wish gotta fucking want something different. I think I'm starting to lose my mind. Pretty please prescribe me something for the voices. Is it divinity or just all my choices? Is it my megalomania or could it be? God exists and somehow she listens to me. I've been trying, I've been fighting, I've been down and out. I've been beaten, I've been buried, I've been freaking out. I've been trying, I've been fighting, but I'm burning down. I'm burning down. I'm on my tone of arc shit. Sick bitch screaming at the sky like an answer. This wish gotta fucking Make some noise for Larissa Birdseye. Hell yeah. Yep, you're gonna hang out for a second. Let me help you with oh. that. Teamwork, teamwork. There's a mic in there. Okay, cool. We'll come back for it. Do we need this one? Do we need the blueberry yeah, mic? Yeah, the blueberry mic for the, the blueberry Here. artist. I'm, I'm gonna hand this to you and yep. then not Excellent. walk that way. Excellent. And you turned it on and I almost turned it off. I Look am, at that. I it's almost like blue. we planned it Holy that way. Shit. One more time for yeah. Larissa Birdseye. You match. I love it. <laughs> I match for real. Like, even down to the scrunchie. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the way down to the scrunchie. That was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, your music is extremely vulnerable, and just the way you come across in your stage presence on stage is extremely vulnerable. How long did it take you to get there? Man, it's weird because I feel like I have always been very honest on stage, and I f it's it's like... I don't know. For me, there's like a protective bubble here um, and I can do anything and I can say anything. But I feel like in my personal life, I'm like, whew, like I'm running out the fucking door. I do not yeah. want to talk about my shit, you know, yeah, yeah. but, but can... it's easier. It's so much easier for me to like talk to everyone than talk to to someone individually. Yeah, no, I know? definitely I can definitely relate to that. Um, I, I feel like all the things that I can't say like to people in my life are things that I try to put into my music. Yeah. Uh, do you similarly feel that way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's w how it started when I started writing songs. I, I started writing songs because I started writing really shitty poetry. And then, yeah, that's and how then it like, in high school, and then I realized I could put it. 
actually, I, re- I you know, it's funny. I like used to read a lot of confessional poetry, so like Anne Sexton and Sylvia Plath, which okay. makes a lot of fucking sense. <laughs> but I remember I was like, I kind of, I was a weird, I was a weird kid. So I like took the guitar and I would like read a lot of the poems and I would say, I would sing their poetry. Yeah, that's badass. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. But then I, so I feel like I figured out like how things fit and then I just started writing my own stuff. And I think, I think songwriting and writing in general is just a process of uncovering what you actually have to say, which is cool. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure to, to like pop by a certain age, which is ironic because I don't think that you have any fucking thing to say. Typically, most of us don't have shit to say until we're older. You know, like I sorry, I, young people. Uh, <laughs> all you young whippersnappers out yeah. I'm 26. No, I'll shut the I mean, fuck up. like you definitely have things to say. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say. It. No, I, I, I agree I, with I, you. Like, <laughs> I agree with you. I'm not I, making fun I, of you. I had things to say when I was younger too. Like, but it was just where I was at. I think. I think that everyone. I think, unfortunately, we live in in a place and a time and a society that is just so ageist and like discards people as they age and i think it's insane like yeah. i think they're like why why do we do that well it's like i feel I like when I, I, when I turned 30 i was just like my life's over it's game over <laughs> yeah and everyone just got super offended real quick uh <laughs> but i i feel like there is that you know like but you should have this done by this age you should have this done by this age you should have this done by this age just the pressure of just like schooling and success and uh, mm-hmm. career you know and everything. what you know yeah. what that is it's just it's like people want to keep you here and working yeah, it's yeah. prop. It's fucking propaganda. You oh, can yeah. literally fuck off to anywhere else and just disappear and like make it. You could probably no matter you what age you are, you're fine. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I but just if you're think desperate that to fill that, then you're gonna. That's all you're gonna be thinking about. You're like, I have to do this because this is what I have to do. And yeah, you just yeah. end up becoming well, nothing. What about you, Taylor? You're you're the you're the youngest oh, one up God. here. I know. Called out. Uh, fuck you. Get yeah, out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Come back when you have I something need, to say. Yeah. Even even though your opinion doesn't matter, what's your opinion? I don't know. I just watch cartoons all day. Yeah, I think that's if what you it have was. a juice box you can hook me up with, I yeah. really appreciate it. Um, Dude loves I think his it's apple nap juice. time. Um, I do you think that you, like you you have that pressure of just like I should have this done by this age? I should be I should have more done now because somebody Defi- who is fucking seventeen did it already. Definitely, I definitely feel the pressure of like seeing people that are younger than me being better at me than the things that I want to be good at, particularly with like. Uh, music or just per- any, any any pursuit that that's, that gets really stressful, and then I have to remember that like if if I did that, then I'd be making somebody else feel that way. You know what I mean? There, there has yeah. to be a level of just like running your own race. That's a line from Bluey because I have a two year old daughter, and I watch a lot of Bluey, and it's fucking great. You all should watch Bluey. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, but it, like like run, running your own race is, is is a really important concept yeah. that I learned from that show, and it's it's not comparing yourself to anybody else. There's there's, yeah. Everybody has reasons to might maybe be better or worse at it than you, and it's mm-hmm. it's on it's, it's oh, running your own race is really important. Yeah, no. yeah, running your your own race, but also like why why the fuck do we have to all end up in that? We all think that success or yeah. or that we're only valuable if we reach a certain mm-hmm. thing, but it takes away so much of the joy yeah. of it. And I feel like that is at this point, I'm just like I cannot I cannot measure my accomplishments according to anyone else's like like I feel like the worst thing you hear as a musician or a creative like that when they hear you and they're and they're like wow you should be famous by and now it's like, oh <laughs> no because it's like wait what's wrong with you how the f- how are you fucking yeah. this up and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like ah! you're talented isn't that enough uh like, no you, you have to know the right like, people you should go on American Idol I'm like I did it sucked <laughs> <laughs> fucking awful um but it's it's just it's like they're 
you know, if the worst thing that happens, if the worst thing that happens is you is you spend your life in the pursuit of something that lights you up and that you love, and the worst thing that happens is no one ever fucking finds out about it. Did you live a good life? Yeah, right, exactly. Because it's, yeah. it's, you're living in the thing that that you love. You know, it, yeah. even if yeah. it's not as socially rewarding as you might have assumed right away. You know, you you're still you didn't fail. So what? Like, if you didn't make a fucking million, if you didn't make millions of dollars, a like, lot of people didn't make millions of dollars. If well, failure is really subjective too. Like, like what would define failure? That's what I keep telling my parents. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're very. Supportive. I'm gonna start doing that. <laughs> I'm gonna call my dad real quick. Hold on. <laughs> Zoe, Zoe, I, just out of curiosity, what do you what do you feel about like the the idea that you should have a certain amount done by now? Yeah, I think it, it's hard. I think like I do it with comedy too because I'm like, well, you know, like I, I wish I would have started earlier. Like I wish I would have had the courage to start earlier. And then I'll see people that start younger, and I'm like, oh man. And now it's like I have all these other like grown up responsibilities, and I like got a career, boring, you know. <laughs> like, and I see all these young people, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have started then. But I'm like, you know what? Like. It, like I, what you like what you were saying. I'm really trying to like lean into like this is my journey and like it's not there's not like a in, like a what's that finite amount of success that we're all working for. Like everybody can create what success looks like for them. And I also think it's like really important, like you said, to like find a way to relate to your art that's about you and not about you know what other people decide it means. Like because otherwise it's not it's t- like you said it takes away from what it is for us. And it but it's tricky though because it is a, we're performers, so it's like. You have people care, and you have to. They have to, yeah. So it's yeah, but it's like a balance. But it's really important yeah. to have your own like intrinsic value from what you're doing. I definitely like yeah. struggled to answer that at first too. But I think where I'm at is like finding what my thing looks like. Like I'm 26, and so it, it's hard for me to be like. Well, I know. I'm sorry for the fourth time. You want me time. to change your diaper? But you're also a parent, so you're like a thousand. Yeah, you're years like older. way more mature than me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, I'm, 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 I'm 32, but as soon as you said you had a two-year-old, I'm like. Mm-hmm. Tell us your ways. I'm like, sailor. no, you have seniority here. You actually. Four years ago, you would have told me I'd be in charge of feeding, clothing uh, another human being. I'd be, I'd, I'd tell you, go away. I'd yeah. be like, this is. I you. would tell you it would probably be me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you, Taylor. Takes good care of me. Takes good care of me. I did. I have made you dinner a couple times. Yeah. Uh, the the, the, uh, the pot stickers the other night those were fucking good, dude. That was good. That was good. That's cute, you guys. Yeah, yeah. We we make food for each other. He makes food for me. Uh, it's not important details. I hang out with parents for that reason as well because I don't really know how to take care of myself. So, would you say that like the performance, uh, the world of like performing, would you say that that is that they work with our mental illness, or would you say that they're like you said you'd be here for this day, you didn't say you'd be sad on it? As far as like people that hire you, yeah, yeah, like it's just oh. the music industry or maybe no. like comedy. Nope, they don't. I mean, maybe if you get to a certain level, like I feel like if you get to a certain level, then people are like. Okay, well, I guess there were red M and M's in her trailer, yeah. so she won't work for two weeks. I am ex- so excited for You're that. Not, I'm going to yeah. be everyone's yeah. problem. Yeah, just, just create up like what, like random rules. That's what I'm working for. I just want to be an absolute monster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Just I kidding. want to be red M M&M and M famous. Um, no, I mean, I would say, I would say, I would say, you got to keep your shit together relatively. You know, just just like with any other normal job, like it's hard to it's unfortunately, I feel like mental health is still people will be like, "Mm, mm, I'm so sorry, but mm, you are fired. Like it's kind of it's difficult. We work in like a very fast paced um, place. And I I think that there I think honestly, I think this country is just like just not it is not 
there is not a lot of room for fucking up, yeah, you know? And, fair. like, unfortunately, if your brain is the reason why you're unable to... I've Because I've been there. I've, I've, I've fucked depression, anxiety, you know, yeah. you name it. Like, I, I deal with it. I struggle with it. And it's The hard. hardest curse. Yeah, I yeah. mean... I don't know. I feel like this conversation of like neurotypical and neurodivergent, like we're all we're all fucking weird, you know? Like we're all weird and our brains we, are we fucked. We can all applaud like, for being like, fucking weird, right? I'm a weirdo. We showed up to night. a mental health podcast on the nicest day, all right? <laughs> you know, inside, let's go inside and talk together. about our feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate that just because I, I think that it's, it's not it's not saying that one of us is struggling more. It's saying that we're all struggling, so there should be kind of like these concessions made for like, hey, I'm having a rough day. Like, and the, co- yeah. the competitiveness between the two sides, like it seems like there's like a, a demand for understanding from the neurodivergent side, and there seems like like a demand for more effort or something from the neurotypical side. And like we, there doesn't need to be a competition. I have a lot of respect for people that can wake up at you know five o'clock in the morning and work for twelve hours, but that's not that might not be somebody that's struggling with anxiety and depression. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I will say I will say I don't think that uh the music industry or creative fields uh are ne- are necessarily like the best for people with mental health issues unfortunately. Oh no. We all have but <laughs> but it's like very it's ironic because we're all fucking sad and a little crazy and we end up <laughs> in these places <laughs> which are are like very it's it's really grating, you know, cuz it's it's almost it's like this weird high school that you're just trying you're like constantly trying to make something happen you're trying to be cool you're trying to be cool and just like everywhere you go they're like mm, no you're not fucking cool you're the person who farted in class that no one, one time <laughs> <laughs> wait who are you again yeah. no you're not you're invited to guy. this party <laughs> yeah so it's like it's con- you're constantly putting yourself out there you're constantly getting rejected you're constantly getting rejected it's so difficult to not we like to not have it woven into your identity in some way after a long time of being rejected it's it's so d- hard to still answer for yourself and still say no I'm I'm worth I'm worthy and I fucking like what I'm doing I feel like I lost that I was really losing that recently and I don't know maybe I'm jet lagged and I have a sinus infection but I really like I feel like something has shifted recently where I'm like absolutely not these are not my ideas these did not come for me I reject them get them out of my brain and I'm just gonna keep creating and I'm gonna keep doing it and the people that fuck with me will fuck with me and that's okay and the people that don't understand what I'm doing like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change it based on like what I think people will like because that's how you lose yourself that's how you stop that's how you stop enjoying your fucking time like I don't want to be like well loved and like accepted and adored by everyone i just want to make i would i want to just like myself yeah and at the very least liked by the right people like i find myself wanting to be liked by people i don't like is anybody else anybody raise a show of hands who who wants to be liked by people they don't like okay too many of us but we're not alone so anxious paradox yeah Yeah, i feel like i've just i'm like i'm like no like we're fucking you're my fucking enemy yeah well you have the shift you have the paradigm shift we're all we're all working on getting there we're all working on getting you just gotta spit in their face to show them who's boss (laughs) (laughs) wow Life Hacks with Larissa Birdseye. Thank you so much for joining us. We're (laughs) going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with the smoke break. Cheers to you, my friends. You're listening to Shady Pines Radio. My name is Nate. And each Friday at 9 a.m., I bring you Bird Cough. All things Northwest. Tour and act only on Shady Pines Radio. 
Thanks for tuning in. All right, so coming to the stage, good friend of mine, good friend of the show, please make it real loud right now for Kyle Adams. How are we doing, everybody? All right. Give it up for all the performers you've seen so far, everyone. Yeah, give it up for Zane and Zoe and everyone doing this. This is awesome. This is way too early. I'm a vampire. This is... (laughs) I am a comedian. This is like basically doing a show at 6 a.m., Zane. Why are you doing this to me? I don't wake up until the sun goes down. (laughs) It's going to be bad. No, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good coming out of quarantine. I've, uh, I've lost 70 pounds since 2020, which is awesome. I, I put back on 30, but don't. <laughs> I've lost 70 pounds since 2020, which is awesome. I, I basically, all my friends got fat and I got skinnier. I just met them in the middle. Like, I just was like, I was like, we're all the same now. It's great. <laughs> no, I, I think I nailed the look I'm going for, and that's Hagrid's Community College years. We've, we've made it. Look like I'm raising dragons in my GPA at the same time. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Now, I definitely reached a new milestone with my weight loss because my niece no longer draws me fat in all of her pictures. <laughs> I look like a person in her pictures now. Yeah, you know kids are mean. Me- kids are mean and honest, and that's a terrible combination. <laughs> They're just like, fuck you, you're fat. <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> like, I look like a person in her pictures now. I used to just be shapes. Just a bunch of big circles, and for some reason my head was a rectangle. <laughs> I asked her, why is my head a rectangle? She's like, you really need to get your life together, Kyle. (laughs) No, kids are mean, man. (laughs) Uh, I want you guys to make some some noise real quick uh, for the true heroes of America. Substitute teachers, everybody. That's right. Substitute teachers. Also, make some noise if you gave shit to substitute teachers when you were growing up. Exactly. Yeah. You felt bad for him. Dude, I did too. I felt bad for him, especially the ones who had silly last names. Why would they do that to themselves? Are they masochistic? They know kids are terrible. <laughs> like, I felt bad for one substitute teacher we had. His name was Mr. Christmas. He was a ginger, Mr. Christmas. <laughs> the bright red hair, pale skin, smelled like holly. Mr. Christmas got made fun of by my drama class. Yeah. It's like, you know how dorky you have to be? To turn the prey into predators. It's like, my dude, you're getting made fun of by people who say perchance. And huzzah. In In earnest, they mean it when they say it. Where are my theater kids at? We got theater kids? Yeah, I fucking knew it. (laughs) We can sense each other out. Theater kids can sense each other out the same way that people who are high on acid at a party can sense each other out. Just no eye contact and a lot of improv games, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, acid, when you take acid, you are just yes-anding the universe. That is all you Like, all right, let's just fucking roll with it. We were talking about neurodivergency earlier. Everyone in, everyone in uh, my generation and everyone below us, we're trying to figure it out. We're, we're trying to figure out, are we on the autism spectrum? Are we on the ADHD spectrum we're, we're spending a lot of money we're, we're spending way too much time on tiktok and we're, we're trying to diagnose ourselves i think the easiest way to do that though and the quickest way to do that is you sit yourself down with star wars and star trek that's how you figure it out if you lean more towards star wars you're adhd 
And I'm sorry if this is news for you, but if you lean more towards Star Trek, you're autistic. <laughs> but you probably know this already <laughs> because you've organized all of the tapes. No, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh, dude, I. <laughs> I watch Star Trek for this joke. <laughs> like I like I my ADHD does not allow me to watch Star Trek and I force myself to watch. Dude, Star Trek, they literally tell you what they're doing and then explain why they're doing it and then they do it. <laughs> like it's like that is like that is 100% to the T. <laughs> like it just makes so much sense. And then you think about how Star Wars is told as a story. Star Wars is told the same way an ADHD person will tell you a story. They start in the middle. Takes them a really long time to remember the beginning. And then by the end of it, you're like, why the fuck did I listen to all of this? What? <laughs> Didn't mean anything. <laughs> I did that joke online. Uh, it actually, like, it's, it's really weird. It blew up on TikTok, and now I have, like, 4,500 autistic ADHD fans online. <laughs> like, which is interesting. I mean, they're, they're my people. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not, but it's just interesting to find my people online. And... Everyone asks, what is Stargate? Does anyone even, like, okay. I mean, okay, yeah, okay. No, they're like, what does Stargate make me? I'm like, I don't fucking know, dude. Like, that's like, I mean, I had to literally break down what Stargate was. It's, it's literally someone opening a portal somewhere else. So I was saying, if you lean towards Stargate, you are a introverted extrovert who doesn't have the energy to go places. <laughs> so you just, yeah, dude, yeah, okay, Stargate. All right, so we found your diagnosis. See, that's funny, because someone's like, someone, someone was being shitty about the joke online. They're like, you should have done a Stargate joke instead. And I'm like, that would have worked with one guy. <laughs> and it did. It totally did. You see, like, that's for that one person. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> Let's get vulnerable. We're all getting vulnerable up here. I, I, like, I, I am very, you know... I ad- admire that, that you guys have been getting vulnerable up here. It's a little early for that for me, but we're going to try. Uh, I lost my virginity in an above-ground pool in Florida to the Daredevil soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a sentence that just gets sadder and sadder and sadder as it goes along. But that is the story about how I became a man, so... Um, also, the lady stole the soundtrack afterwards. You guys remember soundtracks? Uh, <laughs> remember when someone could steal music from you? <laughs> that sounds so old. Like I sound like an ancient person. They stole my music. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, dude. That's when I realized I had a thing for bullies. I'm into bullies. I think that's what it was. I had some bullies growing up. Make some noise if you were bullied. I'm sure all of us. <laughs> I feel like Portland is a city. Founded by people who were bullied. <laughs> and I know this for a fact because we have so many amazing food options here in Portland. Yeah, we finally have lunch money. It's great. Nobody, <laughs> nobody beat us up. We're going to have Dolma for lunch because <laughs> we have money finally. Um, I think that Portland's city slogan should be, not in the face, please. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bully... He's a terrible person, but he had an amazing bully name. His, his, what was his real name? He didn't have like a stage name while he was bullying people. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Trigger. No, <laughs> no, he, uh, his real given name, I assume, is, his name was Dallas Slaughter. Yeah, dude. Fantastic bully name, right? Like, there's not a lot of options when you're born with that name. You're either a bully, you're the front man for a death metal band, or you're a porn star who does strictly anal. 
And and that Dallas Slaughter is a mother of three. That is, <laughs> that name that name goes either way. It really does. Um, I had a I had a <laughs> I have a fun story about Dallas. Um, it starts off fun. Uh, stick with me here. My mom died when I was in middle school. Starts off fun, and uh <laughs> they told everybody. They told everybody in my class. They like sat everyone down. It's like circle time. Kyle's mommy died. <laughs> I got ambushed by all this like fake sympathy. It was insane. Like I was, I, I, people that barely talked to me were like giving me hugs and stuff, and I was just like still reeling from the tragedy of everything. And as this is happening, I have a bunch of people surrounding me. My bully Dallas comes up. He's making a beeline towards me, and I'm like, ah, fuck! I lost my mom, and now I'm gonna get a purple nurple. This is awful. <laughs> like this is, can this week get any worse? <laughs> and he comes in. And he hugs me, which is really uncomfortable. Like, I'm in therapy now, but I don't know how many sessions it's going to take to wipe that clean. Like, he, <laughs> he grabbed me tightly. He was so close to me that I could smell what he had for lunch that day. It was my lunch. He had taken it from me <laughs> earlier. <laughs> and he leans in real close. He pulls away from the hug. He has his hand on my cheek. He looks me in the eyes, and he says, Kyle... I'm so sorry that you lost your mom, but I need you to know you have something right here that you'll never get rid of. Your big titties. <laughs> Which will come in handy because it sounds like you're the lady of the house now, Kyle. Honk, honk. <laughs> P.S. I'm going to miss your mom's cooking. Uh, <laughs> I love how people are horrified by that. He's a fucking bully. I don't know what you were expecting. Uh, <laughs> All right, we're getting vulnerable. Let's talk about some other shit. Um, so my roommate died uh, seven years ago now. Seven years ago, my roommate died, and I found his body. This is funny, I swear. <laughs> it gets funny. My roommate died in the middle of the night. I found his body. They say that, or, uh, that comedy is tragedy plus timing. Let's say they, they say that's the, the way that they break down comedy, tragedy plus timing. But here's the thing. My timing was always off because I paid rent early that month. And he took care of the bills. So it was like, <laughs> I was staying in a haunted house until the lights went out. That's what <laughs> basically ended up happening. He was the first person I ever did acid with. So I'm not entirely certain he ever truly existed at all. <laughs> the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> His family uh, was worried about my mental health after this happened. They said that I should probably talk to somebody about this. So thank you for being here today. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> a big, big help. No, he was a cool dude. But uh, weird situation. Like, like, I'm sure you guys have had shitty roommates before that have left messes. But <laughs> that dude weighed 300 pounds. <laughs> no, I didn't have to clean it up. Oh, it was a... Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. I hope you don't have to be in that situation. But when that situation happens, your apartment turns into the saddest version of Benny Hill ever. <laughs> it's just like, it's, just, it's firefighters, it's paramedics, it's cops, and then eventually coroners. And you could literally hear the music in slow motion. The da 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 And the cops are obviously useless. They did Cops were totally useless in that situation. Uh, all right, let's veer back to something a little, uh, <laughs> a little happier for a second. Um, so I grew up in Florida. 
That's what that deserves. I appreciate that. I, it, seems, it seems like you guys have the internet and you've seen what they've been up to over there. <laughs> I got out of Florida is the best way to say it. I, uh, uh, thank you. One of the nicest things an audience ever said to me, they said, um, you don't look like you're from Florida. And I was like, thank you. Can we get that in writing, please? Can we? Because I don't know if you get this, but I've been trying my absolute best to cosplay like a Pacific Northwesterner. I... Yep. <laughs> and there's a few things about being a Floridian that like separates you from other people. Like there's some things about us. Like we can't hide our identity as much as we would like to. Like I can't go into a 7-Eleven anymore with friends because I can't ignore a new Mountain Dew flavor. It turns out I can't. Like I can't just walk past Major Melon. I have to enlist. Also, when you grow up in Florida, you're surrounded by sociopaths. And I don't know if it's where they make sociopaths, but it's definitely where they do their best work, right? Like, it's where, like if you want to be someone who doesn't blink and owns a boat, the Sunshine State is the state for you. That is where you belong. You can <laughs> jet ski and cocaine at the same time. I don't know what they do down there. Florida is built for attractive people with money, and I am fat and broke, and that's why I got flushed out of there like a turd. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, my grandfather was probably one of the biggest sociopaths I ever met. I know, you get to laugh at that. No, it's fucking true. I mean, people laugh at that. They're like, yeah, my grandpa took me fishing. My grandpa haunts my nightmares. <laughs> Awful person. <coughs> so my grandpa, uh, it's a bulgy-eyed redneck. He kind of looked like if a goldfish was raised in a bowl of Coors Light, I assume. That's what he would look like. He was, a, he was a racist, he was a homophobe, he was a sexist, or old-fashioned, as he called it, just old-fashioned. <laughs> Good old-fashioned American. Uh, <laughs> he's a bad dude. Uh, I'm glad he's dead. Like, I honestly, like, I'm glad he's dead. I, yeah, dude, fuck yeah. I wish he would have lived a little bit longer, though, so I could have introduced him to a non-binary person. Just watch his brain melt down like a wet robot. <laughs> He'd be like, they're doing What? <laughs> Which is ironic because he got their pronouns right on the first try. I don't know how <laughs> you managed to do that. It's pretty woke for a dead guy from the South, I got to say. All right. <laughs> you guys have been a lot of fun. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Make some noise for Kyle Adams. Let me switch you. The blue mic. The blue mic for old Kyle. Hell yeah, Kyle. That was great. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. Um, so you talked a little bit about death. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk death. about grief. Nope, no applause. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... I actually just got back from a celebration of life. Uh, what are your thoughts on celebrations? Uh, I mean, my like a like a celebration. <laughs> I want the funny a, answer and general. the real answer. Like a celebration as a like as a, in a wake celebration. Like yes. a de- okay, so I do. I I like those. My we actually had one of those for my mom. Okay. When, when my mom passed away, it was um, everyone wore purple because that was her favorite color. And I feel bad it. for taking the mic. Yeah, yeah. No, you took my fucking favorite <laughs> color away from me. It's the only thing I have left is that color, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, we had like a celebration of life. Um, it was cool. There's like music. It felt like a party and she was a chill lady. Like she wouldn't want all the somber stuff. Like she, she made jokes about dying all the time too. Like I have, I didn't get into the dead mom jokes here today because the sun is still up. Zane. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, cause that, that would be just wrong. Uh, 
But no, I, I do have uh, bits about it, and I always tell people. I try and prep people. I'll be like, if she was in the front row, she would be laughing her ass off at this stuff because yeah. she is where I get my dark sense of humor from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how do you think having a dark sense of humor has helped you cope with grief? Um, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable, <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> um, but no, it kind of it weeds out the peop- the squares, which is cool. I like, I, like it weeds, and, and it's funny because the people who um, come up to me afterwards and they're like, "I really enjoyed that joke." They're like, "My mom or my dad passed away," and, and it's cool that it reaches people like that. But the people who haven't dealt with it yet, they're like, "Why the fuck would you tell me about this? Yeah. Like, like, why would you bring this up?" Yeah, <laughs> I walked eight. Well, I walked eight people. <laughs> In a, on a show in Beaverton. They loved me for 40 minutes. Then five minutes was just dead mom stuff. And then they said, that's inappropriate. And they walked out and I said, that's comedy. And then <laughs> the rest of the audience cheered for me. But uh, <laughs> okay, there you go. There you but go. they were kind of Republican. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't win them all. And if you could, know, would you want to? Uh, it's weird how you align yourself. Like I, I'm Freedom of speech, but not to be shitty. Just to talk about my dead mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we did the show in Burns, I had like some cop jokes and after like three i was like maybe not here maybe <laughs> not <laughs> here yeah. oh man small towns don't like cop jokes they yeah. like cops yeah they like cops a lot yeah. <laughs> it's true yeah so what about you zoe uh how do you how do you think like humor ties into maybe like some of the heavier stuff for you i mean i think it's definitely like a coping mechanism i think i mean they always say that like people develop like a sense of humor often to cope with like the rough shit that you deal with so i think it i mean i think it like i would like to think that i just naturally have it but yeah i think it uh i think it just helps you deal with the really hard shit in life because and also like a lot of the really hard shit in life is funny i mean yeah. it is yeah like, if you can get to that point comedy plus time yeah. like yeah. i said I, I feel like with me a lot of it is it's loosening my grips of control of the universe because I lost such a major yeah. player in the game. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about the game anymore. I'm yeah. like, whee! Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like it's, it, but it's, there's something very liberating about that, being able to be like, you know, I mean, I, I don't ever want to hurt anybody or do anything wrong, but I don't give a fuck about yeah. a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, and I just, it's so easy to be indifferent and just kind of float beyond stuff when you're like, when you, you lose something that crucial, like a, a parent at that young of an age, you're just like, it's like I'm not gonna sweat the small stuff quite as much. Yeah, you know? yeah no, totally. and it's I don't know. There's something cool about that. Yeah, well, way, I, totally. I I think like you know just get, gaining that perspective because like I was in a car accident you know semi recently and that was like one of those wake up calls of just like it could have ended here like this show right here could have not been. And the fact that it is here means that I have to make the most of it, you know? Your so car like, was fucked up, too. I'm surprised you you walked out of the car. Yeah, yeah. I moonwalked out of the car. Did, did, it, explode, <laughs> did it explode behind you yeah, in slow motion? Yeah, absolutely. Cool guys, don't look at explosions. That's yeah. where his hair went. It got burned yeah, off. I see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to have an afro, if you can Dude. believe it. Dude. Um, but no, it was. I, I just remember like sitting upside down in that car and just really you know, being like, I should turn off the Punisher. Uh, and... <laughs> Did you did you realize the true meaning of family after that? Yeah, honestly, honestly, honestly. Zane Diesel over here. Yeah, yeah. Zane well, <laughs> family. That's why I shaved off the hair. I was just like, I think it can pull off an A shirt. Uh, no, I'm glad you're here. And no, it's uh, it's those things where you like, you get. There's such thing as survivor's guilt, of course. Like when something like that happens, like you lose somebody and then you feel bad that you're still here. But there's also the the survivors, like whoo, <laughs> like, 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 but you feel like you. It's, there's more significance 
in the world when you you have that almost like yanked away from you. So yeah, when yeah. life That's is rad. that fragile, yeah. experiencing it is yeah. that much more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Taylor, what's been your experience with grief? Um, I uh, the only really family member that I've had die has been my great grandparents, and that was when I was really Lucky. young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucky. My, I'm just here. The ones that are supposed to die. Now. Okay, okay. Let me elaborate. I had a dog die. <laughs> my goldfish. A lot of a lot of my grief has come from like accepting that relationships are ending. Not like rem- that's tough though. That's tough grief as well. Because yeah, they're like you know. people that I built my life around. They're people that I you know I started a band with. They're people that I was like planning. You know, like the the really young. Yeah, we're gonna have a house together. We're all gonna party all the time. That that shit. And you have through through just the maturity of being like I don't really want that. You, your values start to change, and if my mm-hmm. if mine changed at a, at a different pace than theirs did, then I, I really watched me kind of outgrow that and be have to like let go of the person that I thought they were, let go of the person that I thought I was, let yeah. go of the goals that I thought I actually wanted, and that 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 recontextualization of how like how I'm viewing things was it was just strange. I had to let go of of a lot, and it's a different type of grief. It's obviously not not death, yeah. but it's, uh, it's well, you can't honestly. I'm joking around. You can't. You can't quantify grief. Oh, no, absolutely. You really can't big no. dick in grief. <laughs> oh, yeah. How, many How recently, that? though? Grief Olympics? No, I'm like the best at grief, okay? I yeah. think uh, I, I've grieved so many versions of myself, so yeah. I relate to that yeah. very hard. Like, there's different versions of me who I thought I wanted to be, yeah, who I was trying to be for other people. There was a Floridian version of me that had a goatee. There was. <laughs> so I'll have yeah, a moment yeah. of silence I mean, for the goatee. That believe, guy's yeah. gone. I need yeah. to see a picture. I'm I need glad. to see a picture of that, Kyle. Please. <laughs> yeah. it, it's gone with my Facebook that got hacked. <laughs> no, well, I, I appreciate that you know that you brought that up, Taylor, because it's like, yeah, there are different things yeah. that you grieve, like relationships, yeah. because like the what you believe something was, what you found out that it actually is, what you having to go on and continue, because I feel like that's the hardest part with grief, is just like, yeah. I'm still here. What do I do now? And yeah. I, I think the most difficult experience with that specifically was my family. After, you know, that we had... Plenty of bullshit when I was growing up, but I, I hit a point where I was like, you know, I'm an adult now. I can relate with them. They can relate with me a little bit better. And even me extending the hand at the end a little bit, I, I, I had to let go that, that that was possible to the way that I wanted it to. I, I had to let go that there was the, the possibility to reconnect with my family in a way mm-hmm. that, that would be healthy for me at all. And, yeah. and that, yeah. that was a huge you know, hard pill to swallow. That, yeah. yeah, that's another thing, like uh, grieving roles that you take on. Yeah, like that's you're not, a good You point. feel like you're not fulfilling certain roles as a friend or as a brother, sister, whatever. Performer, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely I definitely agree with that. So um, I feel like you're our expert on grief. Uh, <laughs> can, can I say that? Can I say that? Uh, do we want to go over the list? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot, we can go over the list. <laughs> Let's do it. No. All right. Um, my grandmother um, had dementia when I was in third grade, diagnosed with dementia. It was so debilitating. It was dementia and Parkinson's at the same time. Jesus. I got to watch that happen. So I got to see someone lose their mind and not who they, know who they were anymore by the time I was in uh, 10 years old. Yeah. And then that was the first major death I dealt with. And it was weird because I felt everyone else's relief when she died. Yeah. Because people were like, she's not her anymore. It was in, yeah. it was a really complex yeah. emotion. Yeah, that must have been very I confusing could, for especially for a 10-year-old where like you, you would immediately associate grief and sadness with death and then there's a sense of relief that mm-hmm. came with it. That would be very yeah. confusing. Yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting perspective too though because I think death is like relief for some people depending on the situation. Well, you'd rather have them not suffer than like she was like, I mean, I don't want to get too much. I don't have, like yeah. real, real bring bring her up her, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was rough. Um, and then my mom died three years later, <laughs> so like wow. not even get like a real break from it. Yeah. Um, after that, I had a friend, one of my best friends in high school, got shot. 
Yeah. Right before I graduated, um, I had a couple of friends die from Oxycontin in Florida. And then um, I had uh, my roommate passed away, like I was talking about on stage. Right. Which at that point, it was really hard and it was really sad. But I just... Like at one point when I was able to process it, I just started laughing at how often this start this was happening to yeah. me. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> like yeah. what did I yeah. like I was like I almost at a point was like, I don't don't get too close to me. I'm yeah. like, 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 like <laughs> Do you walk under a I ladder? Might be the Grim Reaper. I'm like, like <laughs> You just start wearing a cloak. No, yeah. I, did, I did dress up as the Grim Reaper for Halloween, and I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that I, I is did exactly not realize Kyle's sense of humor. Is I demanded out. my mom held my hand, and she saw <laughs> oh uh, that worked God. out for everybody. <laughs> so, real quick before we wrap it up, um, what would you say would be like a good a good tip on how to like process grief? Um, process it in any fucking way you can as long as you're not hurting yourself or others and don't let people put a timetable on you like it like i mean i am just now letting go of some of the like because i wasn't super nice to my mom like around the time she died we had a very strained relationship i was 13 years old i was an asshole i was <laughs> i was a little shit and um i held on to that for such a long time and uh, I'm just now letting go of some of that. So like it, it's going to take a long time and, and definitely be kind and patient with yourself with it because people are going to be not, people are not going to understand and no, yeah. one, no one has a window into your head into like what you're going through and how you're dealing with it. But I would say just give yourself time, give yourself patience, meditate on it. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and have a sense of humor about stuff. If you can find silly things about it, there's silly things about everything. Yeah, and that. that you can really flip the script and and turn the power against something that's like that terribly sad. If you can find something funny about it. Oh, that's yeah. a good point yeah. too. That it is. It's like taking the power back when you make it a joke is. about something that hurt you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. Give make some noise right now for Kyle yeah. Adams. <laughs> thank you, Kyle. And my stuttering. Uh, but right now, welcoming to the stage, Merch. I would like to welcome one of my favorite <laughs> comics and an old host of The Smoke Break. Please make some noise right now for Amanda Lynn Dio. There she is. Hell yeah. Keep it going for Zane and Zoe and Taylor, your host today. Hell yeah. Keep it fucking going for Philip on the sound. Make some noise. And holy shit, please make all the noise and give all the love to Ronnie and David Haymaker right now. Fucking clap. Give them all your money. They're amazing. Oh my God, I got my haircut recently. Uh, but this is like a standard issue Portland haircut. When you move here, they ask you, what side do you want your mullet on? That's the first question they ask. Are you a top? Are you a bottom? Do you lean to the left? Lean to the right? All mullet questions, turns out. All right. I think that's so funny. Just me. Great. Uh, Before I got my hair cut, I got a perm, and I was really stoked about that. I got the perm because nobody stopped me. (laughs) Your friends can't talk you out of shit if you don't fucking tell them what you're doing. (laughs) That's what I do. Uh, When I first got my hair permed, it was like shoulder length. I was so stoked about it. I was like, ooh, you got like Alana from Broad City energy. Hell yeah, bitch. You guys fuck with Broad City? Nice. Elana, that's my favorite. I got the titties for it. So I was super stoked about that. Yeah, I just slapped my own tit. If anyone's listening at home, that's what the physical comedy was. Uh, and then I pinned my hair back after I got it permed, and I was like, ooh, Lucille Ball, look at you, bitch. That's two of my comedy idols right there. Check, check. Feeling pretty good about the hair, you know? And then I dyed it red. Someone said I look like Annie. <sighs> 
I don't think I have little orphan Annie energy. You know, that's not me. But I looked in the mirror the other day. I think I know exactly what kind of vibe I'm giving off with this haircut. Kind of look like Willy Wonka at the end of the movie. You know, you lose. Good day, sir. That's my vibe. It's <laughs> my fucking vibe. <laughs> you guys are fun. Oh, hell yeah. I'm super excited. I'm actually going to go test drive a car after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I'm super stoked. I haven't had a car since June. Not the one you're thinking of, the one before that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it'll be two years this fucking June. That's how long it's been. I got in a car accident, uh, and it wasn't my first accident. I was in an accident with Zane in our car together, and it was my fault completely. I was turning left, and I T-boned a Prius. Uh, yeah, uh, it was very scary. I didn't see him there. Uh, and I got out of the car. I was crying. And the man got out of his Prius with a long silver ponytail. It was in Portland. I feel like I don't need to say that, though. Uh, so he comes out of his Prius, hair flowing. He gives me a hug because he saw I had progressive. So he's like, I'm going to get a new Prius. He was stoked about that. Flow's my bitch, all right? I'm all about progressive. Clap it up if you have progressive up in here, huh? Yeah, progressive insurance. Get it. Uh, I fucking love Progressive. That accident was horrible, but we all came out of it okay. They wrote me a check like a week later. Yeah, Progressive was on top of it. They're like, here you go, fix your car. I was like, nope, renting drugs. So that's what I spent that money on. Just had a shitty looking car that drove for a while. Uh, and then my most recent accident, the one two years ago, this one was not my fault. Uh, but I was getting a little cocky on the road. I was like, Progressive's been good to me, but I feel like I need to save some money. Anyone have Geico in here? Anyone? Good. It's worth it to pay 15% more to not get fucked in the ass by a lizard, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you what happened, all right? I was driving my fucking car, minding my own fucking business. I got rear-ended by a semi-truck. Yeah, it was terrifying. It was super awful. Uh, and I called Geico, and I was like, oh, my God, I just got in a car accident. And they were like, were you driving your car? <laughs> yeah, and then a, a semi-truck hit me, and they're like, oh kind of a liability driving that car around, you know? <laughs> kind, of a, kind of your fault, don't you think? I was like, what the fuck do I pay you for? Fuck Geico, dude. I hate Geico. I got a lawyer. My lawyer's name is Steve. He told me to stop talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is all I have, Steve. So I'm going to talk about it, all right? Steve was like, this is what you got to do. You got to pit Geico and travelers against each other, right? The best insurance wins. And I was like, cool, 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 Steve. Just a quick question. What if neither of them give a fuck about you? What do you do then, Steve? What do you do if you're just getting Eiffel Towered by two insurance companies? What do you do then, you know? It'd be super hot if I was into it, but it's a trucker and a lizard. Grossest threesome you could ever imagine. <laughs> fucking sick. Super excited to fucking test drive this car, baby. Oh, man, I'm going to be unleashed. I'm excited. Oh, man. A lot of things are going better in my life, uh, which I'm very excited about. It's been a long time coming. To the point where I feel like it was kind of my fault my life was fucked up for so long. And you're like, my life sucks. And then you're like, oh, I think it's me. I think I'm the one that's fucking up my whole life, uh, for sure. Yeah, I took a break from drinking. And uh, if you guys are drinking today, have some fucking fun. They have some amazing drinks here. Have a shot of tequila for me. Hell yeah, baby. Do it. Support the haymaker. Get a shot of tequila for me. Do it for me. Then while you're at it, just text your Coke dealer in an hour. For me! Do it for me! <sighs> Maybe don't party how I do, you know? <laughs> I was a very responsible drinker when I was drinking, though, okay? Never drink and drive. I didn't have a car, so... 
Yeah, hell yeah. No, if I'm being honest with you guys, all jokes aside, the real reason I had to quit drinking is because my friends couldn't keep up and they looked like fucking losers. <laughs> Did it for them. Uh, embarrassing for them. <laughs> no, it was for sure me. I was the problem. Uh, yeah, dude. But I'm not like 100% sober now. I'm not a dork. Uh, <sighs> we all need a vice, you know? Mine is marijuana. I fucking love marijuana. Uh, actually, my favorite drugs is three M's of drugs. Marijuana, mushrooms, molly. Mmm, those are my favorite. Love that shit. I need weed, though. Weed's not necessarily just for me. It's for everyone else in my life. Uh, because I'm a woman, my baseline is rage all the fucking time, you know? I got on the bus, didn't smoke any weed, almost punched a guy in the face for looking at me, you know? But if I was stoned, we would have been friends. So the weed is for the community. Uh, <laughs> for everybody but i grew up really religious and sheltered so i was always taught that marijuana is the gateway drug did you guys hear that shit growing up yeah watch out it's the gateway drug you're gonna smoke weed you're gonna do all the drugs bullshit fucking bullshit i've never done that Mm -mm. i think alcohol is the gateway drug if i'm being honest especially for me bitch because i have never been stoned on my couch at 2 a.m about to pass out and then texted my coke dealer not once not fucking once on marijuana and then 30 minutes later, texted him back, like, wait, can you turn around? I want Molly, too. Not once on marijuana. Every time I drink, though. So <laughs> watch out. I wish I could be chill, man. I wish I could have a drink on this beautiful day and be chill. But I don't drink to unwind, okay? I drink to unravel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. It's a lot. Um, yeah, things are going pretty well in my life. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I'm, I met someone that I'm in love. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Uh, well, he is a straight white dude, so... <laughs> Oops. <laughs> ah! I don't even like those. I'm in love with one. Gross! What the fuck, you know? It's really fucking up my brand. <laughs> yeah. But he's great. I love him a lot. Um, but he still says some dumb shit sometimes, you know? He can't help it. It's his man brain. You know, he's doing his best. Uh, the other day he asked me, he was like, hey, do you uh, like name your dildos and give them personalities and stuff? I was like, what? He's like, you know, like you'd name a... Per-. I was like, no, yeah, no. Mm, mm, yeah, you, you know what? You're so pretty. <laughs> I like to tell men they're pretty when they're being fucking stupid. <laughs> they don't get it. They're like, thanks! Uh, so my pretty boyfriend asked me that stupid fucking question. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't give them names and personalities. The worst thing about men are their names and personalities. <laughs> I already got the dick. Why would I fuck it up, you know? <laughs> uh, he's so pretty. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, he's super great. Uh, but it was really strange uh, meeting him and going on a first date. Because I've only ever been in, like, bad, uh, toxic, uh, not good relationships. I've always dated people like me. Let me just say that, you know? Like artists or losers or whatever. <laughs> People who don't have a car, but they're going to make it, babe. People like that, you know? So uh, I've just been painting, you know, red flags green my whole life, you know? Everything's fine. <laughs> but I saw a real green flag in the wild, and I was like, what's your angle, you know? I didn't fucking trust that. Suspicious. You picked me up on our first date. I went to every shitty car in the parking lot very confidently. I was like, this is your car, right? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. It's this one, right? The four-door car with two doors left? That's your fucking car, right? He's like, no, it's this one. I was like, ooh, you got us a lift. I don't drive either. Nice, you know? Thinking we're bonding, I just like, poor and stupid. That was his real car. So <laughs> we went on a date. 
It was super magical. The stars aligned. We got to like sneak into a concert. It was one of those just like, what? Like movie dates. It was so fucking cool. He paid for everything on that date and did not expect any sex. Hell yeah. Which was super hot, so I fucked him. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're just a nice boy. I'm going to suck that dick. <laughs> Uh, obviously, that's a joke. Relax. It was the first date. I'm a fucking lady, all right? Didn't suck his dick. Didn't even fuck him. He wanted to go down on me, and I'm a lady, so I obliged. <laughs> and I was like, all oh, you can eat, bitch. Get in there. <laughs> Which is a great life hack, by the way. If you're bringing home a straight dude uh, and you got a pussy, have him go down on you first. It's a great way to tell how things are going to go. Because if he can make you come like that, bitch, you are good to go. <laughs> but if he can't make you come like that, bitch, you're good to go. Put your panties on. Get the fuck out. It's not going to get any better, <laughs> I promise. And I feel like this needs to be said. Uh, I don't think a lot of straight dudes know how to eat pussy. Uh, I don't know if no one told you or if you're just doing what men do, which is doing something very confidently and wrong your whole life. I think that might be it. I think that might be it. So I'll let you know. Uh, you know that like really awkward... Oh, by the way, this is only for the straight men. Everyone else is doing fine. I checked. I did research. It's just the straight dudes for this joke. Uh, you know that really awkward, like, slobbery first kiss in middle school? Too much tongue, too much... Yeah, yeah, do that here! What the fuck? So tired of men down there pecking my pussy lips. Like, bitch, you know her, French kiss. What are we doing? <laughs> so he's doing a great job down there, and all of a sudden, I start to panic, because we're in his house, right? I was like, oh my god, we're in a house. You know? And I've only dated people who, like, live in an apartment together, you know, a bunch of artists, <laughs> You know, four dudes, one towel. What the fuck is that shit, by the way? Bunch of crusty men in this city. So we're in his house, and I'm like, oh my God, your parents are going to come home and ruin the mood. <laughs> because of course he lives with his parents. He's in his 30s. <laughs> you can't just have a house. Nope. That would be a green flag. Uh-uh. And he was like, I don't live with my parents. And I was like, what? Your mom doesn't live here? Why is it so clean? Where are the bodies? Serial killer, right? For sure. There's no fucking way. Uh, no, he's just a clean man. I don't know, man. I'm trying to find some red flags on this dude. I'm being honest with you guys right now. I'm like, what is it? You got a secret family you're not telling me about? Hmm? 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 I'm looking for these red flags. I'm a fine one. I'm a fine one. I think his biggest red flag is just being a man. I'll be honest. <laughs> he can't help that. Uh, he's doing great, though. I love him so much. Uh, and the longer this, this relationship has been going, and the better it's been going, and the happier I've been, the more I'm still trying to find these fucking red flags. I've been starting to realize... Oh, fuck. I'm the red flag in this relationship. Yeah, it was me the whole time. <laughs> that sucks, dude. Uh, but it's true. I got to be honest. Like, there's a lot of things about me. Red flag. <laughs> I'm a full-time comedian. That's one. Uh, do you guys know what that means, full-time comedian? I bartend two days a week. So <laughs> yeah, I'm super poor, bro. I got a hole in my tooth. I fill it with bacon now, you know? <laughs> Make the poverty taste better. That's what I'm up to. Uh, also, I lived with my mom for a while in my 30s, but she kicked me out because I had a bit of a cocaine problem. <laughs> a lot of you pulled back on that. Felt it. This half of the room specifically. Y'all are cool. <laughs> Y'all got judgy. Mm -mm. Me and my mom are cool now, though, by the way. Uh, she, she went on the road with me, uh, and she saw me do that joke. And I did it on purpose to be like, hey, Ma, I know why you kicked me out. Don't worry. Pew, pew. Fucking idiot comedian, you know? This is me saying sorry on a stage. Fucking coward, right? <laughs> And she came up to me after that. I'll never forget. She looked at me and she goes, sweetie, if I knew you were doing blow, I would have asked you to share. What? 
I don't know why she kicked me out. I'm not going to ask any questions. I want her to love me, so we're all good. <laughs> uh, all good. Hell yeah. Uh, things are going well with my boyfriend, though. They're moving fast, but they're going well. His mom loves me, which is wild. Because, uh, well, she hasn't seen me do stand-up. I think I'm very different. Off stage, you guys are like, oh, what a sweet girl. On stage, you're like, Jesus Christ. That's a loud broad, you know? Very different vibe. Uh, she made dinner for us, this dish called Marry Me Chicken. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah, I was like, oh, not even being subtle. Marry me chicken? Okay. You know, she cooked that shit. And I was very excited. I tried it. It was amazing. And I'm going to be honest, that shit worked. I am engaged. That's real. I'm engaged. Thanks. <sighs> and things are moving very fast, but he's being really cool about it, considering I'm about to be his new stepmom. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to marry his mama. <laughs> he didn't make that chicken. Fuck off. <laughs> I feel like I do have that vibe, though. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah, you look like someone that would date a dude to steal his mom. And you're correct. <laughs> you guys are so cool. I'm excited uh, uh, to talk with my friends. Thank you so much. I've been Make Amanda some Lindale. noise for Amanda Lindale. Oh, yeah. And make sure Kyle gets his phone back. Hey, there it is. Yeah. Oh, real quick, we wanted to mention there is merch over there. We got sweatshirts and hoodies, lots of sizes. Yes. Yes. Take your pick. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I for, totally forgot to mention that. But uh, <laughs> three times. Yeah, three times, three times. He was like showing me messages like merch, 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 and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. <laughs> and then he had to announce it. So yeah, merch over there. Uh, <laughs> the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I was gesturing. Side. I was gesturing. <laughs> Amanda Lindiel. Let's talk about Hi. judgments. <laughs> Taylor, uh, how good I am at it. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk about judgments. Um, I feel like there's something that we uh, we do almost subconsciously. Uh-huh. You know, some of us do it consciously, but it's almost impossible not to do it subconsciously. Sometimes. Oh yeah. Um, where do you feel like judgments kind of fit into your life? Um, well, I, whenever you're doing something vulnerable, it's always like you want people to like you. You don't want to feel judged. Uh, it can be very scary putting yourself out there. But then a lot of times you end up trying to like be for everybody and you don't have to be for everybody. Uh, and I like to write jokes about the times that it wasn't for everybody because then it makes it funny again. So like even if you're not everyone's cup of tea, there's like you can make an observation of why you aren't and why that's like okay with you and that's funny or you know well, part of who you are and that's and the, okay that self-awareness is hard to like not admire on a set so it's, it's like even if you might have lost people with the first joke you acknowledging that you lost people is like they're like okay all right she gets it she's yeah, cool yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. no I, I feel like just being aware of judgments is the thing that kind of helps you get past them you know because if you pretend like they're not there like they're going to be there regardless but if you pretend like you don't care then I, they're going to be there regardless but you won't care yeah. And I think it's important, too, to realize that, like, if you walk into a room and you feel anxious that people are judging you, it's really just you judging yourself. So you're, like, thinking of all the reasons why people wouldn't like you, and you're dwelling on that. Uh, I mean, like, I'm fucking hairy. You can see my armpits. You can see them on the podcast, actually. Yeah. That's so hairy they are. Uh, <laughs> but I used to be really self-conscious. Like, people were... So I would feel weird about my body, and then I would just assume everyone else did, instead of just being like, this is just a human body. It has hair. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like you kind of judge yourself when you walk into those situations because you think people are judging you, but it's really you, like, picking out all the reasons why someone might like you. And it's like, man, if you just, like, embrace who you are, you also find yourself not really judging other people who are also just being themselves. You're like, hell yeah. You know, you don't have to, like, agree with, you know, like, maybe their style or their taste in music or whatever, but you can still just appreciate that someone loves that thing and that's who they are and, like, no one can make them feel bad. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Do you you have a time where you feel like you try to 
like avoid judgment and kind of like warp your personality into a box or anything? Like, I can definitely think of something. Uh, jobs. Just uh, jobs. Words. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, with like serving and bartending, uh, you know, there's like the Barbie voice, like, hi, my name's Amanda. Are you taking care of you? And I don't sound like that. Uh, so <laughs> You don't? Oh, my no. goodness. <laughs> okay. You guys heard me. <laughs> <laughs> not a lady. I'm abroad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but bartending was something where like you can be more of your personality. And I think that like people do kind of want you to. Like people want you to be real with them. It feels creepy when you walk into a place and everyone's like, hi, hi, hi. Like I worked at a place like that. People had to greet people when you walked in the door. And as a customer, I was like, ew, <laughs> this place sucks. Like Amanda used to work at Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> they changed it to broad. She worked filet. at Dutch broad. <laughs> I'm not a chick. I I'm fucking a can't. I can't yeah. even. No, it's all over. Yeah, we're done now. We're Stupid. done now. No, I no do, more puns. Do I do agree, though. Like, when you go shopping and they're like, can I help you? Can I help you? You're like, no, because you're giving me a fucking panic attack. I'm just trying yeah. to shop. Yeah. They're like, did you come in here with a specific idea of exactly what you wanted? No, I didn't, because I'm not a monster. That's a weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would have shopped online top. if I could have done that. Yeah. It makes me anxious when people are too nice, I think. Sometimes. What about you, Zoe? What about uh, judgments? How do you feel like they place in your life? Do you feel like you put some on yourself? Do you feel all like... of it, yeah, I do all of it. But something I was thinking about is like I, I am kind of like I kind of like like to pride myself on being like a little bit of a hater, like in a you know like in a fun way, in a fun way, yeah. <laughs> and like, but I also feel like like it's like a thin line because it's like I, I feel like sometimes I'm judgmental and then it just makes you feel shitty because then you're like, well, if I'm judging them, then they're probably judging me, right? So I think like when you're yeah, when you find yourself being judgmental, it's often like then you get more self conscious because you're like, well, I'm a dick, so everybody else is probably a dick too. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So. I feel like that's kind of the philosophy a lot of people have is just like they're like they they think that if you're judged like if you're afraid of being judged is because that's what you're doing and it's like I don't think that that's always the case I think that like you know because I'm afraid of being judged but I don't judge anybody yeah uh, I mean yeah totally. except yourself Ex- maybe Zayden oh damn oh shit that kind of blew my mind yeah you're judging you you might be judging other people but you assume people don't like you because you're scared you know they're, you're 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 picking on yourself you're validating yourself. the reasons that you think might people yeah. might have to not like you yeah, yeah. Zane does all right well this became people. a gang up on fucking Zane <laughs> session I was just yeah. gonna say that Jesus. you're a very likable person say, we're giving though. him way too much credit like Zane doesn't judge anybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well I, I, I try not to. I try not to just because I don't want to be judged. That's yeah. the yeah. biggest reason why I, I try not to judge. But I, I <laughs> self centered. <laughs> I still make it about me. I see you guys is because he makes him feel better. Yeah, because yeah. I'm afraid you'll be mean to me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like judgments are, are something that like. I don't know. Like in the past, it's something that I've been like really aware of, something that I've been really self-conscious of, but it's something I'm trying to get away from. Uh, what would you say kind of helps you get away from judgments, Taylor, like, or the fear of them? Um, okay, so for me, there's, there's a lot of times where I have to really define what a judgment versus an observation is. And mm-hmm. that gets really difficult, especially when I've struggled with uh, my tone of voice. Uh, me, me talking analytically has come off as me sounding like an absolute asshole before. It does. And, and <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. Not judging. Not Wait, judging. That felt like a judgment. Okay. okay. Was it an right. observation? I don't this know is, anymore. Was it an observation? That is the question. <laughs> only only Dick I'm just observing. It's hard to distinguish, too, because it, I think there's ways that you can preface it. Like, hey, I'm not being judgmental, but I did notice this thing. And then also that that... That open that openness to to say, hey, I'm not being judgmental, but I noticed this, and then the that being met with the idea that you don't know everything. That like there, there might be a re- you might be doing it uh, quietly to yourself because you're just trying to f- practice this one line. You might be doing it alone. Do, do, like there's a million different reasons why it might not have ended up that way. So giving an observation and then asking questions is usually a good way to distinguish the two for me. But I've it's. 
it gets blurry very often. I think that the admittance that you might have been judgmental is really important for everyone to kind of reflect on, mm-hmm. uh, especially if the, if the person's willing to tell you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That made me think about like, like if you do come to somebody with something that like you felt was a judgment, like there's a way to talk about it where it's like you're not assuming that you know, like kind of like, hey, this is how, that's the whole I statement thing. Like yeah. this is how this made me feel. Like mm-hmm. just want you to know. And then it's kind of like more in that way. It's more like giving them the opportunity to to be like, oh yeah, maybe yeah, that judgment wasn't you know, or or, or like to give them space to realize that you realize that maybe you're not being judged in the way that you think you're being judged yeah. too. Amanda, what about you? How do you how do you think that you get past like people's judgments or just worrying about something like that? I mean, it's tough. I think it depends on the day. Some days I think we all are more fragile, and if someone just says one thing a little bit mean or true, you're like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> so I think it does depend on the day. But I think it's important to remember that um, that the I think it's important to remember that you know everyone is going to be different, and there's no way that everyone can be for everyone. So if people make a judgment about you. You could end up being friends. That happens sometimes. You're like, wow, we both didn't think we'd ever be friends. Now we are. But if someone is just set on who they think you are and they're not giving you a chance to be yourself, you don't need someone like that in your life. So I think that we can all have a judgment on someone, maybe like a snap judgment or a subconscious judgment. But once you get to know someone, you have to give them the space to kind of be who they are. And so uh, I don't know. If if people don't like you and they've decided that uh, you are a certain way, even if you're fucking not, uh, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, tell wow. Us, tell them to suck Life advice with uh, Amanda Lindy. Yeah, you can't please everyone. You be yourself. If they like you, great. If they don't, move on, bitch. There's so many fucking people in the world. <laughs> and it weeds out the people that you wouldn't connect with very well. If, if, you, if you're saying stuff that's profoundly you, mm-hmm. then, and people are like, nope, not for me, then you're like, yeah. cool, not for me. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think that you can kind of get past those judgments when you realize that, like, you, yeah, you can't be for everybody, and even if you could, like, do you really want to be for yeah. everybody? Not That's a lot of people. That's yeah. a lot of people, lot and of people. I, once again, I do not like most people. Maybe I'm more judgy than I think, okay? <laughs> All right, we it's landed there. It's an important, it was an important <laughs> realization I had on stage, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like processing that We're right now. And I'm just growing. like, I really don't like most people, but I do. I try to find the good in everybody. And I you would say yeah. respect them. You accept and respect them while yes. acknowledging well, your own personal interaction with them. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like, just because you don't like somebody or they're not your, or, you know, somebody's not your cup of tea, like I try to be like, okay, like that person isn't my cup of tea, but they're, they're still totally fine existing in the way that they exist. Yeah. And I think like that's the thing that's like the different, like when I feel judged by somebody and they're like, you're a problem. And it's like, why don't you just leave me the fuck alone yeah. and go hang out with people you do like? Like, for real. <laughs> well, and I like to conceptualize, like, if this person isn't my cup of tea, I like to conceptualize, like, what would their cup, like, what's their best environment? What, what are they thriving in? And, and if, if, they're, if what they're thriving in, what, what I can see them being successful and happy and, and, and joyous in is, is, like, super not for me, then I'm like, all right, yeah, maybe that's not the person. But if th- th- there's a lot of different elements and variables to like every group and you can have yeah. vastly different people in groups. Well, I mean, I kind of like what you said. Like somebody had said to me because I, you know, I constantly obsess. I'm like, people are thinking horrible things about me constantly and a friend had been like, being well adjusted in a toxic society is not a sign of success and I was like, yo, that's yeah. fucking like, that's why, why, yeah, for real, that made me process all over again. That yeah, means you're not paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I think being well adjusted in to, to capitalism just means that like, I, brainwashed I'm doing, yeah, yeah honestly honestly so it's like i really try to 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 understand that like the times that i am for somebody and the times that i'm not for somebody are both for a reason so i think that's incredibly mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. so uh when you ca- find yourself judging people what is what's the thing you try to do to like catch yourself or do you catch yourself 
Um, I've been, you have to be more mindful of this stuff. I think that we're all just going to run on autopilot and not be our best selves if we don't check our shit. Um, and especially with like not drinking anymore, I still have that addict brain, but I have to like recognize which one's you know, calling the shots, pun intended. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, be God like, okay, that's you. a thought. God damn you. you know, <laughs> See, I'm caught in fun. the middle of this. Uh, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do the puns feel, Zane? Yeah, no. I'm just going to okay. be like, look at my armpits. Then we'll be even. We switched we'll bodies. Yeah. The weirdest <laughs> Freaky Friday. <laughs> I'm black? <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just because you can. <laughs> um, well, I forgot what the question what, was. That's fine. I, I, no, I derailed it. Um, you sure did. But, yeah, what about you, Taylor? Like, when you find yourself being judgmental, what do you do to try to, like, catch yourself? Uh, just be honest about it. Like, at least to myself, I'm not going to be like, hey, uh, random person, by the way, I was judging you, but just to be like, hey, that was kind of judgmental. Maybe I'm being a little bit of a dick. How can I separate the judgment to observation? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm seeing this thing happening and, and interpreting it as, as malice or, or intent, when they could have just been making a joke. Like, it yeah. been, that could have been the first joke they made all day. They weren't really conscious. They weren't really awake. And I was just on the butt end of it. And that yeah. shit happens. Yeah. Well, I think, like, the important part is just, like, having understanding that, like, you don't know the whole story. Yes. You know? yeah. I, I think that, like... You never have all the information. You never have all the information. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to kind of, like, look at look at the information you have and then understand that, like, yes, I made this judgment with this information, but, like, what other judgment could I have made with that information? Mm-hmm. So... What yeah. about when you ju- when you judge someone and then you realize it's because it's something you h- don't like about yourself? Yeah. That's oh thing. God! Let's thing. not even People talk are about mirrors. that. No, you do have to. You do have to be aware of that. It's another thing with being aware of. Like if you're judging someone right away, I used to hate karaoke. I'd make fun of people who do karaoke. I was like, a bunch of dorks. They Me look too. so <laughs> stupid because I can't sing and I wish I could. Yeah. And even those people might not be able to, but they're having the time of their fucking life. So I would be like, look at that loser. <laughs> but I wouldn't do it because I was scared of being judged. But oh, I'm judging I'm not doing them. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you do have to be careful. Well, of that. I think that that is like kind of that prime example of just like us, like the, our insecurity is what we're what, what we're doing. You mm-hmm. know, like yeah. I'm afraid people are judging me because I'm judging them. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that's a. That's I don't really want to do karaoke because I make. Because <laughs> no, she makes fun of people well, who do karaoke. In that way, yeah. it's like a good gauge, though, kind of, right? Like, I think, like, when you notice that you're judging somebody, that's a good way to check in with yourself. It's like, oh, maybe um, I've just, like, came up against something in myself that I would like to work on. And, like, maybe I don't have a problem with this person. Maybe I got a problem with myself. Yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. you learn to dislike because of a past experience. Like, yeah. there's, I had a coworker that called me Buddy. And I was like, fuck you, dude. I'm like, that's your buddy, guy. And then hey, like, buddy. And his girlfriend also worked there. And I was like, hey, wait, what's his deal? Like, I why does he always call me buddy? And she was like, he calls everybody. He calls buddy. me buddy in bed. I thought you were going to say she calls in bed. He calls her buddy. So I picked up his girlfriend. No. Yeah, I thought you were going to say the girlfriend called you buddy, too. And I was like, they fucking hate you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if she called me buddy, I'd be like, I quit. You guys, uh, yeah, bye. Well, it's like, we're I feel all buddies. Like, I think you're making that up, buddy. I've, I've done that before where people call me brother, you know? Who's the Quite a guy, yeah. I mean, it, was it a white person? Yeah, it was a white person. Always a white person. I think you're, not, cool. you're allowed to Uh-oh. not like that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I literally watched him walk up to somebody and be like, you know, what's up, brother? You know, because that's his voice, <laughs> obviously. He was a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> you know Hulk Hogan? <laughs> Wait, are you are you just humble bragging? <laughs> I right was now? <laughs> so I was hanging out with Hulk Hogan. Uh, Damn. Jeez, ain't way yeah. to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you call me brother too? Uh, God, what a douche. Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's getting old, really. Please. Oh, yeah, yeah, God. exactly. Back in my day. Ridiculous. <laughs> hey, um, brother. <laughs> Mr. Hogan Hulk, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah I, we're on a first name basis. It's pretty sweet. 
me and Mr. Hogan. Uh, that's not a first <laughs> and name basis. Called him but Mr. Hogan, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this has been the smoke break. I appreciate you guys so much for coming out. Did you have a good time? Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for coming, everybody. Yes. It genuinely means a lot. Shout out to the Haymaker. Yes. Uh, thank you for having us. Give it appreciate up for you. Thank you so Ronnie. much. Make sure to tip them, give them lots of money. Um, and if you don't give them that money, uh, give it to the Little Sisters Foundation. Um, yeah. 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 Please make sure that you donate to them. You can go to little-sisters.org and uh, go ahead and make a donation and learn a little bit about them. Other than that, awesome. that's been the Smoke Break, the session. Uh, and and uh, we have merch, which yeah. I can't yeah. be reminded he about. Merch. He remembered merch. Merch. We did it. Zoe helped. Zoe helped. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. I helped sometimes. <laughs>